Amen. You can have a seat. So good to be with you. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here. If you don't know who I am, and uh, we're, we're really glad to have you here today. And we're in week two of a series called Praying for a Change. And uh, I really believe that today uh, God's going to encourage you. Uh, hopefully last week, if you, didn't, if you weren't here, you didn't you know, get to, to join us last week because of the weather. I hope you were able to get online, get on YouTube and, uh, and watch the sermon. Because again, I, I believe that last week may not have been my best message that I've ever preached, but I believe it can be the most pertinent for us this year, that, that God is calling us into a season of boldness. Amen? And uh, so today we're in, we're in part two of this little mini-series that we're doing here. I promise we're going to jump back into the book of Mark. We've been going verse by verse in, uh, in February, but really to start this year off right, I wanted us to establish what is, what is important to us as a people and as a church, and everything is scripture is, is important. I'm not saying that, but I really believe that God wanted to grow us, mature us, if you will, challenge us in our prayer lives. And some of you, you're already sitting here and you're thinking, I'm not much of a prayer person. And I just want to go ahead and tell you, neither was I. Until I started to realize that prayer wasn't this big, fancy, ornate thing that I had to do. And, and it wasn't that I wasn't a prayer person if I didn't spend five hours on the floor and have my anointing oil and my, my, you know, uh, my banners that I'm waving all over the place. Like, like to me, that was a prayer person and I just would never be there. But now I've realized that prayer is not just something that I do before I eat my meal. And it's not just something I do uh, every once in a while when I come to church or when I go to community group or, or any of those things. But prayer is something that I can do all the time. And I want to encourage you, so can you. So can you. And so today we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. And we've been looking at different prayers that were prayed in the Bible. Different moments that that people were speaking to God and how we can take these prayers and apply them to our lives. And so we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And just to give you a little bit of context, I'm also titling this message today, When God Speaks. So if you're that person that, that types notes or, or you're writing notes in your journal, you can title it, When God Speaks. But in the book of 1 Samuel, here we are. We've We've, we've come through this whole Old Testament part of, of where God has called Abraham and he's called his people. He's led them out of Egypt and slavery and captivity. The Prince of Egypt, if you've ever seen the movie, it's a great movie, but you know, all that kind of stuff has already happened. He's led his people into the promised land and we've gone through this whole book of Judges where there was good leaders and bad leaders and they just Israel just kept getting worse and worse and worse in their behavior and response towards God. And finally they, they cry out and they're, they're, they're trying to get a king for for their, their nation, and, and what we have here is we find this man by the name of Samuel who becomes one of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever seen. But we're gonna find that Samuel doesn't have some ornate, big, fancy beginnings. In fact, he has very small, humble beginnings. And Samuel, his mom was a woman by the name of Hannah. And, and Hannah was married, but she could not have children. And, and I know this is a little different in our day and age. There's you know, some people are just like, I don't want kids, or I'm going to wait to have kids, or this or that. In this culture, having kids was like everything. And honestly, you were, your family probably wouldn't survive too long if you didn't have kids and have lots of them. Because what would happen is if you're out and you're, you're, you're in this agricultural uh, uh, type of environment and you don't have enough kids, that means you got a lot more work to do or a lot less food to eat. And so for a woman in this day and age, all of their honor was seen by how many kids they could have. And you have Hannah here, who she's married, 
and her husband is actually uh, married to someone else. Like, I would not advise that, just, uh, just, just so you know. And, and, and what's crazy is, is her husband's other wife was able to have lots of kids, and it made Hannah even feel more desperate, more down, and more in despair. And, and finally, she comes to this point where she prays to God, and she says, God, if you give me a child, I will give them back to you. And so through this, God honors this prayer, this desperation that Hannah had. And God gave Hannah this child that she named Samuel. And and what she does is she raises him just enough so that he can be on solid food. And she literally goes to the temple and she goes to the tabernacle. She goes to Eli, who is the high priest at this point, And she says, here, I'm surrendering. I'm giving my child, my only child that I've prayed for, that I've longed for. I'm giving him to you. And she leaves. And I just want to tell you, if you bring your children here and you try and leave, we will call you. We will track you down. It's not that day and age anymore. But all of a sudden, she leaves this boy to be raised by the priests, and she would pray, and she would come visit, and she would do all these different things. But in her mind, she had surrendered her child to the Lord. And I wonder, is there some people in this room that you've been praying for something, longing for something, desiring for something, and you've placed it on the throne? Instead, you need to surrender it to God this morning, that even if it looks different than what you thought it would look like. And so Samuel, he's He's being raised in in the temple, in the tabernacle, and he's serving Eli, this this priest. And Eli is not that, he's not that bad of a person, but he's got some pretty wicked sons named Phineas and Hophni. Sounds like a Nickelodeon show. And these sons, they, they, they were actually supposed to be serving in the tabernacle. They were supposed to be helping take the sacrifices that the Israelites were coming to bring to sacrifice to God. And what was happening is this, is they were actually taking the best parts for themselves. And not only that, so they're stealing from God, but not only that, they're, they're actually going and they're sleeping with some of the women who are coming to sacrifice. If you thought corruption in the church was just a 21st century thing, I just want to tell you, it's been long going on and it will not bring the church down because God will see justice for it. And every sin, everything that comes into the church will be exposed. And so here we pick up and we have Samuel who is this boy who is probably a little bit awkward looking. His mom had had declared this Nazarite vow over him that he would not cut his hair and that he would not drink alcohol and he would not do all these certain things. And here he is, this boy, he's probably or somewhere around 12 years old, according to the historian Josephus, while Eli is in his 90s. And here we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter three. And it says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his place. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sin clouds your vision. Eli was a priest who had in the past heard from God, who had visions from God. And I don't believe that it's just saying here that his, his, his age had caused him to lose his sight. I believe it's his tolerance of sin that had begun to cloud the vision and clarity of what God was trying to show him and speak to him. And I know that it's not popular. It's, it's not the most uh, glamorous thing in this day and age to, to talk about sin. 
In fact, there's a lot of churches that, that, that kind of shy away from even mentioning sin, and it's so much more about like, well, if you have some issues. Sin is not an issue you have. It's a disease that plagues all humankind that we cannot fix on our own, that we can't overcome on our own. It's only through the power of the blood of Jesus that sin is broken. So we can't just work our way into being better people and hope we get to heaven someday. That is not the gospel. The gospel is the blood of Jesus covers our sin and that we need to come in light of what he has done. And what what does the apostle Paul say? Just because you have grace that abounds to you does not mean that you take advantage of it and you continue to sin and live in it and, and wallow in it and tolerate it. If you're lacking some clarity in your life of what God's will is, I would caution you to evaluate. Is there sin that you're tolerating? Is there sin that you have welcomed into your life that you have not allowed God to deal with? But here's the good news is that Jesus has covered our sin. So this is not the message to come and and just say, woe is you, you have no hope. Because there is hope. And hope has a name, and the name is Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has covered every sin, so there's no now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But this is a caution that if we are struggling to hear and discern the will of God, the direction of God in our lives, is there sin that is clouding our vision? Let's continue in verse three. It says this, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And you see what happened is is that through the night they would light this lamp that was at the center of the tabernacle that would light the way for all of the priests. But somewhere around two or three in the morning, this lamp would go out, the oil would run out. And it says right here that, that in the middle of the night, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Could you imagine? Like this, this, is, this is a boy who is barely ever in existence. He's now born and he's sleeping right next door to the tabernacle, the ark of God. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and laid down. This is like if anybody's a parent in the room when your kid gets out of bed, it's like, I heard a noise. It wasn't me. I was sleeping. Go back to bed. And it says in verse six, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I'm imagining this time he's probably a little bit more mad and he's a little bit more tired. He's a little bit more frustrated. And he says, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. What I I want you to know by this is this. This is not implying that there was no relationship or belief or faith in Samuel's life. It's that Samuel had not yet learned to discern the clarity of the voice of God. And can I tell you this? There's a lot of people that are going to church week in and week out that would call themselves a follower of Jesus, but they have not yet known the voice of God. They have not yet discerned the voice of God. And I'm praying that this morning, if there's some people in this room that you're like, you know what? I don't know if I've ever heard from God. I pray that by the end of this message, by the end of this service, you're walking out of here with the clarity that, yes, I have heard. I can hear. I can hear. He still speaks and I can know his voice. And it says this in verse eight. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And I just want to give you hope. The Lord is persistent. 
Some of you are knuckleheads. And God's been yelling at you, trying to get your attention, and he's been trying to do everything he can to say, hey, 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 I'm over here. Don't you know I have a better plan for you than what you're trying to do? Don't you know that I have power and strength when you feel weak? Hey, hey, don't you know that I can give you peace through the storms and all the anxiety? And we're just sitting here like la-di-da-di-da-di-da. But the Lord is persistent. He will not give up on you. He will not stop. And it says that he arose and he went to Eli. And he said, here I am for you call me. Finally, the light bulb goes off. And it says, then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. I, I, I love that even there. It, it wasn't like, I, I've got to go and I've got to do something. I've got to work my way. I've got to try and find that voice again. It's just going back and laying in the place that he belonged, the last place that he had heard the voice of God. And he, he's laying there. And it says, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. And that's our prayer for this morning. That's our prayer for today. Holy Spirit, speak for we, your children, we, your people, hear. If you're taking notes, write this down. You will hear God when you listen for God. You will hear God when you listen for God. But I also want to caution you, there's a difference between listening and hearing. All the wives in the room should just say amen right there. All the moms in the room should just say amen right there. There is a difference between listening and hearing. Right? Like, you, you ever been in the car? and like, <laughs> I've never done this. You're in the car, and your significant other is talking, and you're just driving, and, and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, really? And then you realize they finished the conversation and you have no idea what it's about? I've never done that. Um, but I'm sure some of you have. There's a difference between listening and hearing. I, I can have my son Noah literally look me in the eye. This is what I have to do now. I have to say, look me in the eyes. Look right here. I want to see your pupils looking right at me. And I can tell him something, and I, I know he's listening, but he didn't hear me. I just feel like Stanley said, did I stutter? <laughs> and I want to talk this morning, and I want to give you three reasons that we don't hear God enough. Three reasons that we don't hear God enough. And I'm going to ask, Joe's going to come up here for a minute. I, did, I kind of warned him that he's going to be brought up, and uh, he's probably a little nervous. Uh, so let's give it up for Joe this morning. Right, 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 right. You got your phone? All right, you got your phone. I got my phone. What's, what's, play, play a song. This is where we find out how Christian Joe is. Um, all right, play, play something. Turn it all the way up. Here, you hold this. One on each ear. One on each ear. Ready? So look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Stay right there. You can hear me right now, right? Can you hear me now? Do you hear the words? Yes. You, you hear the words? That, Okay. 
You, you, you can't hear me. You can't hear me. You, you, okay. I told him I had 500 bucks for him, but he didn't hear me, so he doesn't get it. So, so the first reason that I want to tell you is this, that many times we don't hear from God is we have too much noise. You can go. You can probably turn off the song, though. It might be distracting. We have too much noise. And you know what? Sometimes we just think of noise as the negative stuff in our life. Sometimes the noise is the neutral stuff in our life. And we just have too much noise pollution going on. We are always having to be stimulated by something. And, and, and I'm realizing this even in parenting my kids. That It's like, I, we, Amanda and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, we used to drive in the car. I had, like, my fingers to twiddle. And then we finally got this thing called, like, Brain Quest. You guys ever remember Brain Quest? They're, like, questions you get at. Like, we didn't have all the fancy stuff. And now it's like we go two minutes down the road. And my son's like, where's my tablet? We've just become accustomed to always having to have something, and we always have to be scrolling, and we always have to be feeding, and we always have to be listening to something and watching something and stimulated by everything. But could you imagine if we just went back to like the, the old, old days where it's like five o'clock, the family goes, and all you got is a candlelight? I think they got a lot more sleep then. But we have just so much noise that we are constantly feeding ourselves. And can I tell you something? We've become bloated on noise and starving for truth. We've become so consumed with all this other stuff and it's not all bad stuff. Hear me. And I'm not saying that you can't just sit on the couch every once in a while and watch a movie. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying, is there any margin in your life that if God is speaking, you could hear it? You notice too that the farther I got away from Joe, the harder it was to hear a lot of times what the noise does is it, it causes more distance in our relationship with God. It causes more of a gap between where God is and where we are, that even when he is speaking, even when God is saying something, we can't hear it through all of the noise and the distance. And it's the enemy's greatest trick to give us noise. The second reason that we don't hear God enough, and I want you to look at your neighbor and say this real loud. You talk too much. Come on, look at somebody you don't know. This is great. Just look at somebody you don't know, like right behind you, be like, you talk too much. And the evidence is right here that I told you to say one thing, and y'all are still talking. Can I, can I tell you something that, that I've learned? Is I, I grew up with the whole concept that prayer was a one-way conversation. That it was just a monologue of me lifting all of my stuff to God and, and just tossing all of my needs up to heaven. And what I've learned to realize is that much of the fruit in my prayer life is when I just zip my lips, I sit there in silence and I ask for God to speak. And some of us, we, we, we don't even create enough time. We don't create enough margin to, to be able to sit down in these moments just to sit in silence. And a lot of us, we don't even know what to, how to have silence, how to have stillness, how to have peace. So there's, there's times that we have to just sit before the Lord and say, God, whatever you want to say, I, I'm listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. We don't have to lift up all of our concerns continually. You know what? I think, I think God knows them. And I think God wants us to bring them to him. But I think oftentimes, you know what God wants to do? He wants to just speak a better word over you. 
And I, I want to encourage you right now because because some of you, I know you're sitting in this place and you you probably look at, at at me here on the stage and I'm a pastor and you look at other pastors and different people or maybe some really strong people in your life that are like, they hear from God, but I never can and I never have. Can I level with you? I've never heard an audible voice, but I felt the quiet whisper and I felt the nudge in my spirit and I felt the prodding in my heart and I felt different moments where, where, where God would just put a person on my mind and I'd send a text message and next thing you know, I'm getting a response back and you see the, the three dots that are just like lighting up and you're like, something's coming. And it's like five minutes later, they're still typing. And, and also, you have no idea how bad I needed this text right now. I'm going through this and this just made my day. And there's been so many other moments where, 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 where God will just put little things in my, my mind or my, my heart. And I'll just feel something, send something. And I know that it's from God because now I've learned to tune into it. And you know what sometimes our talking too much is? Is that really you, God? Is that, are you sure? It, it, well, what if I make a fool? I, mean, I don't know if it's you. I, sometimes we just have to sit back and we have to hear and we have to be able to respond in, in obedience so I just want to tell you, you talk too much. I challenge you this week. Set some time aside in your prayer time for silence. Don't put a song on in the background. Don't do just, just, just have some silence. And pray that humble prayer. God, would you speak? I'm listening. I, I, I want to hear you. The third reason I think that many of us, we struggle to hear from God is we're not in the word enough. Oof. Every like Christian that was raised in church just felt like, yes, my guilt is finally bubbling to the surface of how I didn't read the Bible enough. And you know what, I, I grew up in the environment like Awanas and you name it, like, you know, all these different things. We were doing sword drills left and right. And, and I did it because it was a duty. And now I, I do it because it, I, I hear from God through it. And I need it. And it's, it, it's direction to me. And, and so a lot of times what we don't hear God in is because we don't recognize his voice. And we don't recognize his voice because we haven't read his word. And when you begin to read his word, you begin to understand his character and his heart and his power and his strength. And you learn your identity. You learn how you fit in this story. And then when you're living your life, you begin to understand and discern that that's just not a coincidence. That's just not a feeling you have. That's not just something that somebody is saying to you. It's the voice of God speaking in the subtlety of life around you. And some of you, you know what's funny is, is you're praying for, how many of you guys ever prayed for, for something and you were like, God, I need an answer? How many of you ever did that and you're like, I need an answer now? We, we, we fail to take God, you know, like we're, we're like, God, you gotta be like the urgent care. Like I don't have time for like a specialist appointment in, you know, in, in March. Like I need you, you're the urgent care. Like I need you now here in this moment. I just want to tell you, God speaks through his word. So some of you, you're, you're already beginning, you know, to question. You're like, I need, I need an answer for this. I need to know if I need to do that or if I need to live it this way or if I need to make this decision. And I want to tell you, God speaks, but God spoke. 
And his word will tell you a lot more than you think it will when you really dive into it and begin to learn the heart of God and how he calls us to live. Some of you are asking, should I take that job? And sometimes I think that the answer is not yes or no. I think it's, it's found in Colossians 3.23 that says, whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord and not for men. And so it doesn't matter if you work at, at Chick-fil-A. Well, I guess, no, Chick-fil-A is pretty. Uh, it doesn't matter if you work for like one pharmaceutical company or another pharmaceutical company. What if, it's, what if it's just a matter of how you work when you're there? What if it's your attitude and your approach and, and how you're bringing yourself to work every single day as a mission field that this is not my calling? This is just the place I live out my calling to be an ambassador for Christ. Some of you, you're asking that question, should I date so-and-so or should I marry so-and-so? In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, do not be unequally yoked. And some of you, you think that's just, have they prayed a prayer one time and walked down the aisle? But it's no, are, are we yoked? Are we going in the same direction? Are they encouraging me and helping me grow in my faith? Are they speaking me into a better way instead of pulling me back in my faith? Some of you, you're, you're asking, that, hey, should I have that drink or should I, should I take that or can I smoke this or can I do this? And, and, and you're, you're trying to skirt your way around what the, the word actually says. But Ephesians 5.18, it says, do not get drunk on wine. That is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you're asking, should I buy that car? Should I buy that house? Should I buy that jewelry? Should I do this? Should I, should I not? In Luke 12, 15, it says to them, take care to be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So are you buying that so that you can prove yourself? Are you buying that because the desire to have it owns you instead of you owning it? Some of you, you're asking, should I watch that movie or that TV show or, or, or should, should I do this or that? And Psalm 19, 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. So is it going to cause the meditation of your heart to drift from God or to God? Some of you, you're asking, should I give that money in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart for God loves a cheerful giver. And I just want to tell you this. If you're sitting here and you're wondering, God, should I go give that person this money? I feel like maybe you're calling. Yeah. I don't know if it's you or not. It ain't you. You ain't that good. Usually, if, if, if you feel compelled to do something kind, if you, be, you feel compelled to do something great, it's usually not in and of yourself. It's usually the Holy Spirit saying, yes, you fool, you knucklehead, go do it. I'm speaking in the nudges. And some of you, you're, you're, you're questioning, hey, I have a job and they have these rules. And, and you know what? I have these neighbors that I've lived a long time and I, they have different beliefs. And I, I have these people that I come into contact with and I don't know if I don't want to offend them. Should I share my faith or not? But Mark six fifteen says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So yes, the word has spoken. You don't need to sit in your prayer closet and discern God, is it your will or not? You can take it to the word. How many of the decisions that we make on a day and day basis that we are questioning if it's God's will or not, we could learn just by getting in his word. Learning his heart, learning his nature. Learning his prodding. But anyways, uh, back to 1 Samuel. <laughs> Verse 11, it says this. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And I just want to say, when you look at the original language, 
that tingle word ain't a good word. God's about to do something that's going to make people feel a little uncomfortable. It says, on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And you see what happens in chapter two is there's a, a prophet, a random man of God that we never get a name for who comes and he declares judgment over Eli from God. He says, Eli, you, you, you may fool the people of Israel, but I've seen what you do, what you tolerate. I've seen your sons, how they, they desecrate the altar, how they steal from me, how they, they, they take worship and, and honor that belongs to me and, and you've done nothing about it. And he says, because of this, Eli, I'm going to pull you back, not just from your position, but you will be dead. And he says this. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And see, that's what the priest would do. This is the whole thing is that Eli had gotten into this point where he knew the system. Well, I, I can do whatever I want as long as I go and make the right sacrifice. And what God is saying, listen, I see it. And I see your heart. I see the wickedness in your heart that you aren't really receiving the forgiveness and grace that I'm showing you in this but you're taking advantage of it and excusing your behavior. And I'm glad none of us ever do that. In verse 15, Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. I love to, it doesn't say that Samuel slept. Think about it, Samuel's been up like four times throughout the night and, and God's speaking to him and, and, and he doesn't just speak like pleasant things. It's like, hey, that guy that's been raising you and mentoring you and, and, and really is the one who like you can base all of your livelihood off of. Yeah, I'm actually gonna kind of like destroy him. Oh, and the other ones that are with, yeah, they gone too. And by the way, I'm telling you this because you're gonna be the one to tell them. <laughs> night, night. <laughs> Right? Like, that's not, that's not a good way to go and get some sleep. Some of you, maybe you've had those moments, those nights. You know what I do now? Anytime I can't sleep, I ask God, what is it that you're keeping me awake for? Because oftentimes I realize those are the moments that, that God is saying, hey, I finally got you still. I finally got you in the quiet. Now I want to reveal something to you. It says he lay until morning and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. I, I think it's interesting here because this response already tells me that Eli knows what's coming. He's threatening Samuel because he already knows that it's a, a statement of judgment, that the baton has been passed, that Eli would no longer be the one to hear from the Lord directly, but now Eli was gonna face the judgment. And some of you, I just wanna tell you that if you're feeling that way, where you're feeling the judgment or the weight of, of your behavior and your actions, the good news is this is not a, a calling of judgment that, that, that you've, you're done, you're hopeless, but it's an opportunity to return back to Jesus. 
to cleanse your heart and your mind, to receive the forgiveness that he gives you and to walk in his cleansing power. Verse 18 says, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. You know, I think that's why God chose to speak to Samuel. I feel this weight when I preach a lot is I spend time praying and discerning and trying to hear God. And there's some things that, can I be honest, I don't really want to say. It'd be a lot easier to preach up here if I could just tell you, like, you're going to live your best life, you know, and just keep believing and that mountain's going to fall and, and you don't have to repent over anything. It's, you know, it's okay. but that's not the way God speaks. And I think the, the, the reason that God honored Samuel is because he, he, he told everything and he hid nothing. He didn't hold it back. He didn't try and sugarcoat it or soften it. He said, this is what the Lord says. And he said, it is the Lord. This is Eli. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Last point I want you to write down this morning is this. Receiving God's word doesn't end with hearing. It ends with obedience. Hearing God's word does not end, receiving God's word doesn't end with hearing, it ends with obedience. It doesn't end when you, you just get to this point like, oh, that was nice, that was great, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who does that? Toddlers. You know who does that? Children. So if you, if you want to live your faith in the, in the, the way a child would in maturity, then, then you, go, you go about that. You can come here and you can come in week in, week out. You can open your, your, you know, your Bible app and read a word and all that kind of stuff and not apply it. But, but if you really want to walk in the fullness of God's calling on your life and be a mature, strong warrior for the kingdom of God, if you want to be a believer that is growing and maturing, you can't just hear, you have to respond in obedience. John 10, 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And then what? They follow. So I want to tell you, there's going to be a moment in your life, maybe even right here in this moment. I'm, I'm honestly praying that it's right here in this room, in this, this setting that God is speaking to you and calling you to something. And you know what you got to do? You got to get up off of your seat and you've got to follow him. You've got to walk in obedience to him. And sometimes, most times, it is not easy. It is difficult. It is hard. It is challenging. It is outside of your comfort zone. But God honors your obedience. Too often we read the Bible just as something to hear, but not something to obey. How many of you, you know, we, we, we go to the Bible for a pick-me-up or some encouragement, but we don't adhere to the call that it has on our lives of the way that we're supposed to live and behave and act and the mission that it tells us to do? I think that's the reason a lot of us, we don't like reading the Bible. Because there's a lot of, it's not the, the pick-me-up and 
oh, how great this is. It's, it's, it's not a pep talk all the time. It, it, it's not this TED talk that we want to listen to every word. It, it, it's, it's this challenging thing that is confronting the way that we would naturally live our lives, the way that we would naturally think, the way that we would naturally behave. And it's saying, hey, you got to flip that on the other side. But when we look at it, not just as something that's going to, oh, I just need to pick me up. Oh, I just need to. But when we look at it, it's like, no, this is the blueprint for my life. This is how I am to walk. This is how I am to, to, to live. Then we begin to hear God speak. And I would just tell you in this verse, it says, my sheep hear my voice. That starts with relationships. I love, uh, I did a a deep study on this passage uh, about a year ago. And and there's this this cool thing when you look at the context of of John and he's writing this and you know what he's writing, you always gotta put scripture in in the context of who was writing it, who were they writing it to and what was their culture. And you see in this culture, it wasn't just anything to say like, oh yeah, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. Because what would happen is this, is that in any given town, especially out in the, the country towns, there, there would be a whole lot of shepherds. Sometimes there'd be 50 shepherds in one town. And they would each have, you know, 40, 50, 60 sheep. And each day they would go out and they would, they would shep their sheep. Well, you know, I think that's what you call it, right? They would lead their sheep all around the fields and help get them fed and, and protected and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the day, they would bring them back. And there was this thing called the fold. And the sheep fold, there was this, this, this wall that was a little bit above waist height that would go all the way around and they would all lead their sheep in there. And there was this little gate. And what would happen is one of the shepherds would be on duty through the night to guard the gate. And then all the shepherds would come out in the morning and they'd go and, and they would make their call. And I love it because every shepherd had a specific call. And I don't know if you've ever like turned on, for whatever reason, one time I turned on ESPN and they were doing like pig calling. I don't know how that got on ESPN. So is cornhole. I don't know. We got to live with it. But, but they're doing these things and all these people, they have all these little different calls and these hog calls and different things like that. And there's a certain sound, this certain voice, this certain, uh, you know, inflection that the, the animal would recognize. And so in the midst of hundreds and hundreds of sheep, a shepherd could go and they could make this call. And they would call out and all of their sheep would come through the crowd and they would come to the gate and they would follow their shepherd. And, and a lot of times what it actually says that in this day and age, there'd be people that would try and mimic the call. And there'd be people that would, they'd come and they would sound, it would seem like they were almost identical to the human ear, but the sheep would not respond. And I believe that's the exact relationship that this passage is defining for us is that we would recognize and discern the voice of God through getting in his word and learning his heart and his character so that when his voice speaks, we can instantly notice that is not from culture. That's not just from me. That's just not from what my mama said when I was young. No, this is God telling me and compelling me to do something, to respond. And then what it does is this, it gets us in this posture that when all the other noise, when all the other voices, when all the other people who are coming in and spouting off stuff that isn't truth, we would recognize and discern, that is not my shepherd. That is not his voice. That is not him leading me. So I want to encourage you. 
God speaks. Why, why, would, this, why would this be here in, in Scripture? Why would it say that, that the sheep, that we are the, the followers of Jesus, we are his sheep, why would it say that we could hear his voice if he did not speak? God still speaks. And I'm not talking about some clouding, you know, loud voice from heaven. Scott, I am your father. No, no, no. It's a lot of times. Today, God, hey, 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 hey. Scott, did you notice that guy over there? Did you see? He looks a little, he looks a little down today. I bet he could use someone to go encourage him. Or it could be these, these little moments where it's a person that you haven't thought of in years. You know what's really crazy? I've had this happen. God will remind me of a person. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to text them. I'm not going to call them. That'd be so awkward. And then you know what happens the next day? I'm at Wawa and they're my cashier or something. Like, okay, God, I got it. But many times it's not in, in these big loud clanging voices. It's in the small subtleties of a relationship with Jesus that you begin to hear and recognize his leading. I have family um, overseas and I, I can't share too, too much just for safety reasons, but they live in an area where hearing is not optional. because their life is literally dependent on it. Okay, God, you want me to go do this? Okay. But, but I got, you know, I'm going to be sure. I, gotta, I have to hear on a daily basis because my life depends on it. And so it, it just fosters this desperation, but I want you to flip this on its side. In our culture, we don't have to we don't have to hear on a daily basis because our lives depend on it. We have to hear on a daily basis because others' lives depend on it that other people are impacted when we are, are disregarding the voice of God speaking and calling and, and showing us and, and refining us and, and giving us his opportunities to be his hands and his feet and to speak hope and to speak life and speak encouragement and exhortation to people. It's other people's lives that are dependent on us hearing. So what if this week we got up every morning and instead of scrolling through the weather app or to see what happened on Instagram or to look at your Facebook memories, the first thing you did before your feet hit the floor was, God, would you speak today? Because I am listening. Would you speak today at work? Oh, he can do that. Hey, I just want to tell you he can do that. You aren't not a Christian from nine to five. God, would you speak to me when, I, when I'm in this conversation that I'm going to meet with this person? God, would you speak to me when I'm, when I'm encountering the, the, the people in my neighborhood? Would you speak to me when I, I got to make this phone call that I don't really want to make? Would you speak to me in every moment? And God will speak if you slow down, silence the noise, learn his word and discern his voice. He will lead you. He will guide you. God, we need your voice. God, we need your clarity, your direction, your vision. Lord God, I don't want that to be said of our church, that the, the vision, that the revelation of God was rare. 
But God, I want us to be a people that are digging into your word and learning who you are so that we can discern the proddings and the leadings that you are giving to us each and every day. God, you've called us to, to more than just hearing secondhand revelation. God, help each and every person in this room recognize that they don't need a pastor to be able to hear from you, but they can hear from you personally. God, I, I pray that you would help silence any other voices that are crowding out your voice, your revelation. God, I pray that you would help us this week to be passionate, desperate to hear from you. And God, that it wouldn't just stop with hearing, but it would stop and it would continue with our, our obedience and our response to what it is that you're calling us to do. Speak, Lord. God, I pray that even in this moment that you would speak to us. God, I, I think that there's some people in this room that are, that are in need of a word from you, that are in need of some revelation, that are in need of some wisdom and direction. And God, I, I thank you that you are faithful to speak when we silence ourselves to listen. God, I don't want to be driven by emotion. I don't want to be driven by just a, uh, our, our own intuition, but God, I pray that our, our intuition would be in alignment with your Holy Spirit. God, we love you and we believe that you are gonna speak even now. In Jesus' name, amen.